0: a robust labor market, a strong consumer, uh, strong corporate earnings, strong balance sheets across the board, both in the corporate sector and, and in you know, general for households, to provide the environment for economic growth to reaccelerate and for inflation to potentially turn up uh, going into 2024. And, and that would you know realistically not be great for risk assets.
1: On this episode of Early Bird, A.J. Genoni, Chief Investment Officer at Alio. A.J. joins the podcast today to talk about inflation resurgence and the impact on stocks in 2024, including why those expected interest rate cuts might be delayed. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, AJ, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing today?
0: I'm terrific, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thank you for joining. We're going to talk about a very serious topic today, certainly a topic that's on the minds of our listeners and investors out there. It's inflation resurgence and how that could impact the Fed and the stocks in 2024. But before we get to that, A.J., if you could, in about 30 seconds or less, what should the audience know about you and your background?
0: Sure. So uh, my name is A.J. Junoni. I'm the chief investment officer at Alio. Uh, we're a startup wealth manager looking to uh, provide investors in this kind of new macro climate with a differentiated investment experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, the background of uh, basically trying to inform investors for, uh, you know, how to handle this unique environment that, that we find ourselves in. And, and things have changed, obviously, dramatically since the, the zero rate environment of, of pre-COVID. So, uh, you know, our uh, our background and, and mine specifically uh, is is in asset allocation, um, tactical investing, strategic mm-hmm. investing, uh, risk management, and and really trying to you know give our clients and our and our investors an edge when it comes to you know how to dynamically adjust portfolio exposures in environments. Uh, unlike one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we've seen it in a very long time.
1: Yeah, it, it, you mentioned zero rate environments. We had very low interest rates for some time, in the, and then in the past year or two, we've had higher interest rates uh, To as the Fed tries to combat higher inflation. Um, now it's a different story in 2024. So, AJ, uh, catch everybody up to speed. What's the, what's the situation with the Fed and interest rates and inflation as as we start 2024?
0: Sure, so... To, to take a step back, you know, we saw uh, inflation accelerate fairly dramatically, you know, going into the uh, the year 2022 and, and throughout, um, you know, that year, you know, you saw the Fed uh, raise basis points uh, 525 on the Fed funds rate, you know, well in excess of the speed that they had in, in any real uh, meaningful historical context since the 70s. So uh, from our perspective, you know, we were watching... Alongside of, of these rate hikes and, and alongside inflation, you know, specifically measured by CPI peaking uh, at over nine percent, and and really, um, you know, where we are now is we're on the back end of that, right? You know, we, we've kind of come through the gauntlet. Um, investors are looking out at inflation, you know, coming down through uh, the single digits, and, and now we're you know in the threes. We we most people I think feel like inflation is kind of in the rearview mirror. The Fed has signaled that they're effectively planning to pivot to a more accommodative monetary policy stance in a framework. Um, they're looking at, you know, potentially doing some rate cuts here in 2024, and you know, potentially talking about uh, kind of toning down their balance sheet runoff or, or their, um, you know, effectively selling uh, and, and disposing of some of their balance sheet assets, uh, kind of the reversal of the quantitative easing that we saw, you know, in, in the zero interest rate environment of pre-COVID. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what that means in, in practical terms for investors is that financial conditions, uh, over the last, you know, call it nine or 10 months, have really been easing. Um, they basically peaked around, the uh, regional banking crisis that was precipitated by Silicon Valley Bank imploding, mm. um, you know, and some others like Signature and, and First Republic. So, you know, for, uh, basically after that time, you've seen financial conditions uh, just slowly and steadily start to ease a little bit. And, you know, you, you, when you look at what that means for, for investors and for capital markets and for asset allocation, um, you know, generally speaking, the one of the key drivers of Asset price returns and and market performance uh, is is really the liquidity environment that you know we're we're you know attempting to to asset allocate uh, inside of and, and to make investments inside of. So, you know when you when you're thinking about the liquidity environment, having a uh, an environment where financial conditions are increasingly easier, where credit is more easily accessible, uh, where capital is flowing more freely, uh, ends up being fairly bullish for, for equities and, and for risk assets, usually. Um, well, however, you know, the, this situation may be a little bit different, right? Yeah. Um, the Fed is in a unique predicament where they've explicitly stated their goal to get inflation, uh, you know, whether you're measuring it via core PCE or CPI, back under a 2% target. and yeah. And we're not quite there yet. So, as financial conditions have eased, you've started to see a reacceleration in some interest rate and financial conditions sensitive areas of the economy, uh, specifically housing, specifically uh, construction spending, specifically consumer spending, and and those things together are inflecting upwards at a time when most folks are looking for continued easing from the Fed. So it's highly likely in our view that the combination of the financial conditions easing throughout the back half of 2023 in combination with a a robust labor market that really has never put the brakes on in a way that the Fed I think would have otherwise preferred uh, it has really set the stage for a robust labor market, a strong consumer, uh, strong corporate earnings, strong balance sheets across the board, both in the corporate sector and in, and in you know, general for households, to provide the environment for economic growth to reaccelerate and for inflation to potentially turn up uh, going into 2024. And, and that would you know, realistically... Not be great for risk assets stocks uh bonds real estate uh like you saw in 2022 really the only thing that did well in a a rising rate environment was uh us dollars and almost every other asset class across the capital spectrum and across the across the efficient frontier performed uh basically put up a negative number so you know if you want to talk about where are risks for 2024 so, that that aren't really being accounted for yeah that's where our, in our view uh investors maybe have turned a, an eye a little bit too soon to the the inflation is done fight and and said oh you know the fed's done they beat inflation we're back on the risk asset train yeah. everybody you know just get on board load up on on stocks and risk assets and you know we'll, we'll ride this bull market up you know another three or four years and and it's set it and forget it and you know that maybe not, you know, be a little bit of, yeah. of hyperbole.
1: It might be. But
0: I think the you know <laughs> at least it seems to me the, the attitude that you saw at the back end of last year. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I think there's st- still a fair bit of you know, maybe pessimism or oh, the you know, the recession's coming kind of talk. Sure, but it's sure. it's always framed in the context of oh, it's gonna be a soft landing and then we're looking for, you know, a reacceleration in in you know the second half of twenty twenty four. So you don't AJ, see anybody talking about
1: I, I, yeah, I, I just got to ask. So, you, so you're 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 talking about some of the negative stuff, which I want to get into in a second. But real quick, very very briefly, um, j- just so we're clear to our listeners, um, the rosy picture that some investors have right now is. Uh, that inflation will continue to drop, and thus the Federal Reserve will lower their interest rates eventually in 2024, and this will be good for many stocks, particularly those riskier stocks, like in technology, which will benefit in a lower interest rate environment. In a nutshell, that's sort of what's going on in a rosy picture, correct?
0: Exactly. So, you know, technology stocks, uh, stocks with, you know, that that higher gearing towards longer duration cash flows uh, stocks with less profitability stocks with weaker balance sheets, all of which suffered maybe disproportionately throughout uh, the rising rate environment have really rebounded uh, in in a fairly meaningful way since uh, October of 2023, you know, a few months ago. So that phenomenon of you know, reversion to the mean, or, oh, you know, these are, these assets were the ones that did poorly. Now in a declining rate environment, uh, the, I guess, assumption, you know, from, from those folks is that these assets are going to continue to do well in a declining rate environment. If the fed, you know, is, is correct in its assessment and does, uh, go forward with, with rate cuts throughout, you know, the year here. Although, um, you know, that's really where, you know, I think the, uh, The skepticism is, is is will they be able to get to
1: those rate cuts? Good point. When we return, we'll hear from AJ about the types of stocks to invest in this year in case inflation comes back. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, AJ, today we're talking about the Fed and inflation and interest rates. Um, We talked a little bit about the rosy picture before, but I want to get to your thesis. You're saying that inflation could resurge and come back in 2024, which would push back the uh, interest uh, rate expectations that we have for lower interest rates, and that would be bad for stocks. In a nutshell, tell me why that might happen. I'm curious. Why do you think inflation might— uh, return in
0: 2024? Sure. It's it's really a combination of two things. It's the easing financial conditions, which, in a very loose sense, allow for both uh, businesses and for consumers to spend more freely, to consume more, to invest more, uh, to purchase more goods, to transact more. And that phenomenon is part of the uh, effect that we're looking for that would, you know, potentially put more pressure on the buy side of these transactions, thereby raising price levels and thereby pushing inflation as measured by either CPI or PCE higher. Uh, the other piece of this is um, the one of the core phenomenons that that you saw uh, with respect to the rising rate environment was the impact on real estate and. The effective locking up of, of a lot of different real estate sectors. Um, everyone makes a big deal out of you know offices and and that uh, sector of the real estate market where you know which has obviously been been quite severely impacted uh, by the rising rate environment and, and basically preventing uh, transactions from even happening. A lot of you know restructurings in the loan side. So you know if you think about what a declining rate environment does, um, or an easing of financial conditions. It it basically greases the wheels of those transactions a little bit, uh, and and would, in our view, uh, push some of those transactions through again, you know, driving prices up and, you know, potentially, uh, pushing that through to CPI. And if you remember, um, you know, one of the big pieces of, of inflation is, is housing, uh, both in the, the home prices as well as, uh, you know, rent, rents and rental agreements. And the impact that you saw in, in home prices um, in a real-time sense, if you look at measures like, you know, the Zillow Home Index as opposed to the housing component of CTA, CPI as it was officially measured. Um, Zillow, I think, and others like it, uh, captured what was happening in a much more immediate sense throughout the COVID environment, you know, starting in 2020 and, and now through 2024, um, whereas the CPI component uh, that, you know, housing constitutes was was much more delayed um, to the tune of about, you know, 18 to, you know, potentially 24 months. So, you know, as we see uh, the housing component of CPI, you know, kind of cooling down here, you know, in, in January, uh, you know, as, as it was released a few weeks ago, um, the... Upshot of that is, if you look at the more real time metrics that you know are available through Via Zillow and others, they necessarily haven't you know continued to decline. Um, you've started to see a little bit uh, of a different trend there. So, you know, if you look at at those things together, you look at financial conditions easing, you look at the uh, robustness of the consumer, you look at the strength of the housing market, uh, the strength of the rental market. Um, you know, there's certainly areas of weakness and, you know, potential, uh, you know, pockets of, of uncertainty or risk in all of those factors, but on balance, if you look at all of them in aggregate, there's really nothing that would prevent GDP from accelerating from here. And and I think the weight of evidence suggests that GDP will accelerate from here. Uh, when you look at what that means for, for inflation, um, the The upshot there again is that you know a, a higher than expected uh, GDP print would be the result of more active economic activity, both in the consumer and the corporate sector as well as in the housing sector. Uh, all of those things would you know really conspire to to push prices up. and oh, wow. And I think there's a maybe a lack of attention to that particular scenario yeah. at the Fed. Uh, I've been fairly critical of the Fed, you know, over the last couple of years, as it's kind of been behind the the uh, the ball in, in its attempt to get inflation mm-hmm. under control. You know, mm-hmm. obviously waited until inflation was already rapidly spiking before it really made any attempt uh, to put in place restrictive policy, and then they kept you know policy extremely accommodative mm. uh, well past the point when it was you know re- really necessary uh, in the wake of of the covid liquidity crunch in 2020 so yeah there's an element of that that you know they they tend to be behind the ball a little bit uh they i think are suffering from you know a little bit of a, a hindsight bias with respect to their experience going through you know the, the 70s and and stagflation in some of those, you know, more extreme inflationary environments. Yeah. And I don't think they're necessarily, uh, you know, looking forward with as much foresight as as they should.
1: Understood. So, AJ, if this scenario plays out where you're talking about inflation going up and the Fed has to pivot and all those rate cuts that we're all expecting, if they get delayed. What would stocks look like in 2024? And uh, are there any sectors that you would maybe gravitate towards or stay away from in that scenario?
0: Sure. So it, it would basically, in our view, be a, a repeat of the playbook of, of 2022. Mm. Uh, if it, what we're kind of predicting it comes to pass in a way that would be you know, economically meaningful, then the same kind of assets and sectors and, and stocks that, that did really well uh, in 2022, would continue to do well in in 2024, um, and and that's a very limited subset of of stocks and and of assets, mm. right? You know, there are uh, uh, for if you look out at it, at equity valuations here, uh, they're fairly stretched to the upside given given what we know. So you know, on the one hand, a stronger economic climate I think would provide a little bit of a buffer there. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, you're, you're looking at applying a much higher discount rate again in a period where I think a lot of folks have already baked in quite a few rate cuts into their, uh, their valuation model. So, you know, the, the sectors and, and, uh, and the asset selection, I think, is, is going to be paramount. I think the, on the equity side, uh, as cliche as it is to say, you know, the, the uh, high growth tech names locally known as the Magnificent Seven uh, and, and a handful of few others that had a really strong moat, uh, really robust, organic growth, and have spent the last 18 months trimming some of the fat around the mar- margins, are going to continue to do well in any environment. I don't really think that they're as dynamically exposed to some of the monetary policy effects as others. Uh, the you know, high growth, low profitability tech startups and, you know, the small caps and, and others that are, you know, more uh, on the, the weaker side of the financial balance sheet equation are going to suffer disproportionately. So, you know, I think the, the areas where you want to be are in, you know, profitable companies uh, that have a high degree of quality. You know, think the, the Warren Buffett style of having a, a moat, uh, a strong balance sheet, robust earnings growth with quality management and really avoid, you know, the, uh, the more casino style, you know, long shots with uh, the hundred X price to sales ratios. I think that's, that's probably the most prudent move that, that we'd be recommending. Uh, the other thing to mm. think about too, is that when you're looking at, uh, sensitivity to interest rates, it's not just, uh, stocks, right? It's bonds. bonds so when you're looking at some of the, the fixed income areas that did reasonably well in 2022. Yeah. Um, those are interesting as well. Areas like uh, leverage loans and high yield bonds in an accelerating uh, growth environment where credit is relatively easy to access and economic growth is strong. Uh, we would expect those sectors of the, uh, the fixed income universe to perform uh, relatively better than some of the longer duration assets. So you'd want to avoid you know the the 10 and the 30-year treasuries the long end of the curve uh and really any of the, the corporate or or other issues that are out there you know in the duration uh mm-hmm. ladder as well you know you'd be looking for you know the areas where the higher coupon rates uh, specifically in in high yield and and you know the call it the leverage loan or the mm-hmm. the private credit style uh of lending give you that nice buffer against uh, potential rate increases. You know, if you're pulling down a a 9% coupon, um, you know, like you were in October uh, of 2023 in the high yield market, you know, you don't particularly care if if rates go up another percent or two. Um, You've got a little Mm -hmm. bit of an offset there from your uh, coupon payments to help impact the the duration component of your total return.
1: Yeah, it's like like 2022 all over again. (laughs) Oh, AJ, thank you so much for for explaining um, what could happen if inflation makes a comeback and what the Fed might do and how that might impact stocks. It's an incredible uh, thing that investors should really keep watch out for in 2024. Um, AJ, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird podcast and explaining all that. But before we wrap up the podcast, I just have... One final question for you, AJ, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, AJ, is: If you had an autobiography, what would the title of that autobiography be?
0: Oh, Stephen. Well, it's it's been a pleasure uh, to be here, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to to have this discussion with you. It's it's been mm-hmm. uh, a real honor and a treat. Um, that question though is a tricky one. An autobiography title uh, is it's it's a humbling kind of thing to ask, right? But the the title of it would probably have to be uh, you know hard lessons learned and or uh, I'll get it right next time. You know the uh, one of the core uh, I think beliefs that that I've tried to carry with me through my investing career has been mm-hmm. you know you learn more from your mistakes than you do from your victories and, and that's something that I think you know a lot of folks would agree with but uh it's really you know what you learn from those mistakes and, and how you apply that to you know your, your subsequent attempts at you know whether it's investing or entrepreneurship or you know your personal life that I think are uh is a really powerful and meaningful lesson to take away from it so uh on second thought there y'all have to go with uh I'll get it right next time
1: <laughs> good one <laughs> Thank you again to A.J. Gannoni for sharing your insights on inflation and stocks in 2024. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.